Hey everyone, and welcome to episode two of Lactoons and Tolerant. It's Movie Monday, which I didn't just think of last episode. I planned this out ahead of time at the start of the series to always upload movie episodes on Monday. Uh, you didn't hear me come up with that idea on the spot in the last episode, but today we're going to talk about the Mitchells versus the Machines. This was a hard case of me judging a book by its cover. Uh, I saw two things that really put me off to it, and both of them are because of Netflix. First, I saw the Netflix exclusive, and normally that is not a high sign of quality. I like Stranger Things enough, I thought The Witcher was an okay adaptation of the book, but outside of that, Netflix tends to disappoint when they make especially something animated. I think they're the ones that own the Boss Baby TV show. It's just, they don't really uh, make good products most of the time. And the second thing was the thumbnail that they chose to advertise this to with me. That picture of all of them in the car, and it's like, just not a good still. It doesn't give off how well everything moves and everything works in motion in this movie. So it really kind of just made me not want to watch it. And it took Joe, my roommate and co-host from Spoiled Milk, coming to me while we were driving. I guess he didn't he didn't like come to me because he was just sitting in the in the passenger seat, so he was already there with me. But he was like, "Hey, have you watched the Mr. Mitchells versus the Machines?" And I'm like, "Uh, no. I thought it looked stupid." And he was like, oh, I've just heard a lot of people saying really good things, and it's all the people that I usually trust, like, opinion-wise in movies. So I was like, oh, okay, he probably watched it then. And I kind of left it at that, and the next day I sat down that night and I watched it. And I, <laughs> I loved this movie. This is one of those products that just kind of feels like it was made for me, if that makes any sense. Uh, the main character, Katie, is incredibly relatable in every way. I feel like I've experienced every conflict that this movie has set up, and her relationship with her family is, <laughs> in a lot of ways, very similar to mine. So I actually love this movie, and it seems like I was the exact demographic that it was aiming for. So while I was watching it, I was close to the end, and Joe came out of his bedroom, and he saw me watching it, and he was like, oh... I thought we were going to watch this together, and I was like, oh, I thought you had already watched it, but I'm loving it, so I'll watch it again. So I, I did end up watching it again, but he was, he was busy that time too, so I will watch this a third time, and I'll enjoy it a third time. The only reason I watched it the second time without him is because I wanted to make sure that I got it watched again right before I recorded this, so it was fresh in my mind, and I could uh, rant to you guys about how much I love so many things about it in a more constructive fashion. <laughs> So, since pretty much everybody I know has Netflix, uh, I'm going to assume that there is a way for you to borrow somebody's account or something and just get this watched in before you continue with the rest of this episode. Uh, you will enjoy it if you are at all like me in any way, shape, or form, because, again, it does feel like this movie could easily have Katie replaced with uh, a, a guy named Josh and that, that they, it could just be about me. Did you guys hear that voice crack? It was a pretty solid one as far as they go. Like, not too bad, but, like, it was powerful. It was in there. <sighs> one day I'll finish puberty. I don't, I don't know if you guys caught that, but I'm pretty sure that was a double tangent, right? Because I was talking about how everybody should watch this before listening to the rest of this episode. And I don't think I ever got to the point where I actually said watch this before listening because uh, I got off on a tangent about <laughs> it being 
about somebody heavily relatable to me and then my voice cracked and I went off on that tangent but also this third tangent now could also be irrelevant because I might have already told you guys to watch it but now that we've catawampused our way through like a minute and 30 seconds of me telling you guys to watch this I'm gonna assume if you intended to before listening you already would have paused and would now have watched it before continuing further so uh spoilers are a risk I'm not gonna spoil anything huge uh, or at least I'll try to avoid spoiling anything huge. But uh, yes, watch this ahead of time, preferably. It's a very good movie. You won't regret it. You you bleh, you won't regret it. Although it was originally intended to be released in theaters in 2020, uh, everybody knows how much of a shit show that was. So instead of being named Connected, which is what Sony Pictures wanted to name it, uh, they gave it to Netflix. They sold the distribution rights, and Netflix was like, "Okay, what did the actual creators want to call it? Oh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah, okay, we'll call it that, and then we'll release it on Netflix." And so it came out in 2021. The di- film was directed by Mike Rianda and Jeff Rowe, and then uh, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Kurt Albrecht, I think that's how you pronounce that last name, uh, produced it. It has like a fantastic cast full of names that I recognize, but other than Eric Andre, I could not off the top of my head tell you a single thing that anybody else was in. So uh, I'm just going to list off names in the order that they appear on the Wikipedia cast list. Abby Jacobson plays Katie. Danny McBride plays Father. Maya Rudolph plays uh, Mother. And then uh, Eric Andre and Olivia Coleman and Fred Armisen and Beck Bennett and John Legend and Chrissy Teigen and Blake Griffin and Conan O'Brien. I guess he was on the Conan show, so that's another one I could name something they were in from. But I recognize all of those names, so that's pretty solid. Uh, before I get too far into why this movie was relatable to me, I want to talk about the soundtrack. It's a Mark Mothersbaugh soundtrack, so that's somebody new as far as talking about soundtracks that, uh, <laughs> soundtracks and movies that I've reviewed, I guess. That's a weird sentence to put together. Uh, it's the only one, well, I guess it's not the only one, not by Joe Hisaishi. Uh, it's the only one that is substantial <laughs> that's not by Joe, Joe Hisaishi that we've gotten to so far. Uh how to describe it. I want to say, I, I don't want to reuse this relation, but also it kind of is true. I, I remember in Infinity Train season one, episode one, I said that they sounded a lot like Magic Sword, and this also sounds a lot like Magic Sword, but this also has a lot of needle drop moments where they just play real life songs, and some of them are for like memes and references. So uh, the Neon Cat song, is in this it's just in a scene and they play it for a good amount of time and at first i was like oh that's 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 kind of cringe but also when young cat was popular and then even a little bit after i played that song all the time and I, I this movie was made for people in my age group that went through similar lives as i did so it makes a lot of sense that it would appear in this there's a lot of memes in this that were from our time period of being alive. I guess memes have only really been like as popular in the form of entertainment as they have been since we were alive. But I mean, all of the references are specifically guided to timed based on the year that each scene takes place or whatever, because there's a lot of flashbacks in the form of videos, uh, like when those memes would have been popular or coming out. And like a lot of it is reference-based humor because Katie does uh, see things through the lens of film and references so she 
<laughs> she contextualizes things by being like, oh, this reminds me of, and then it's a meme from when she was younger or something like that. And that is something people my age and that I know do literally all the time. So it felt incredibly realistic and natural. And I kind of got used to it towards the end. At first, my base instinct was just to be like, ooh, something that was from when I was younger, which means it's bad, yuck. But also, that's kind of the point that we grow up and like move past a lot of these things. So some of the mic drops don't send me on weird <laughs> dives into my psyche about automatically being against anything from my past. Um, there's a Sigurros song. I don't know if I pronounced that name right. It's Swedish, I believe. I believe the name is Swedish. But the reason I know Sigurros is because Jonzi there, uh, he was their singer, and I think he played guitar for them. He, I discovered him through How to Train Your Dragon soundtrack, which is beautiful, and I can't wait to talk about How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, we will eventually. Maybe not soon, but eventually. Jonzi from Sigurros, he went on his solo career, and he did the How to Train Your Dragon soundtracks during that. So, well, he didn't do, like, the whole soundtrack, but he composed songs for him and he assisted in the soundtrack, and that's how I found his sound and kind of fell in love with it, and, oh my god, Go is one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, his album Go, listen to it right now. I wanted to say Go, go listen to it, but I didn't want it to be confusing. The album is just called Go, Go Do is good, Animal Arithmetic is good, Boy Lilikoi is good, Tornado is good, Havangelis, uh, I think, is the name of the song or something similar to that. Every single song on that album is good. Love listening to it. If I am under the influence of a substance, um, I put on a good pair of headphones and I crank that shit and I will just let emotions wash over me because Yonzi makes surreal emotional music that reaches me in a way that very little other music does and i have played through that go album so many times i think the only album that even comes close to getting as many plays is probably ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars so if you like ziggy stardust you'll probably like go yonzi makes music that feels like adventure <laughs> And I got to talking about Yonzi because a Sigur Rós song, which also includes him and also gets a lot of those feelings because he was part of the team that made that music, um, it's the ending song, and it's one of the reasons I cry at the ending. There's other reasons I cry at the ending, and there's other reasons I cry at other points in this movie, uh, probably because these people had very similar lives to me, and when I get into my moments of doubt and uh, not being sure if I'm good enough, or I get in an argument with a family member or something like that, uh, this movie shows that, like, you can grow past that and then still go on to do the great things that you want to do, and I love that. <laughs> I love that message. It's like, even though you have differences with your family members, and sometimes it's hard to communicate and be around them, that work can be worth it. So, as somebody who um, is very, very different from both of his parents, somebody who is the weird artsy kid compared to uh, my mother, who in high school was like a popular cheerleader, and my dad, who was a football player who went into the military and uh, is all camping and survivalist and kind of thing. It really did feel like almost a little too close to comfort. Like, I didn't expect this movie to literally just be how I grew up. So, <laughs> I don't know. I... I feel like I was definitely the intended target demographic, and it is very nice when you find something that says, hey, this is other people have gone through this stuff, and there's ways to get through it, and things only get better, and hot damn, loved it.
Loved it. Felt great watching this movie. Loved watching it even more the second time when I knew what I was in for. And it wasn't like just a, okay, I guess I'll watch this because Joe said it was good. Like when I knew what it was about and I could go through it all on the whole time. And like, ah, so good. Fantastic. <laughs> I was talking about the score. Man, I got off track. So there was a lot of needle drop moments and those are all good like every song they put it in reference sometimes they just pop in out of nowhere sometimes they're the butt of a joke it's all good music there's a wide variety of them so you can go listen to like a playlist on spotify about all of the songs that are in it and listen to all of them and you'll probably find something new that you didn't know about before to enjoy and also the mark's mother mark mother's boss soundtrack is really good too if you like synthy adventure sci-fi music because it's in the name versus the machines uh this is a sci-fi movie and it's a pretty good sci-fi movie and when it drops like the meme funny comedy facade for a second and it's just like all right this is a serious high stakes adventure again like when they see the rhombus for the first time floating in the sky and the soundtrack swells during that moment and they're watching the armies of robots just flying around it and they see like the death robots crawling down it in their weird stuttery like rearranging their whole existence instead of just turning kind of way that they move in they're so like uncanny and creepy the way that they move it actually does get kind of like oh oh shit this is like tense this is like almost a thriller type scene and the villain in this movie genuinely feels like a threat despite also having a good amount of comedic relief and her entire army until the the robots v2 come out being a bunch of joking idiots in fact Two of the characters of the main cast are malfunctioning robots, and they're probably the best part of this movie. There is not a single line that that Eric and Deborah Bot 5000 say that isn't gold. <laughs> uh, Aaron, the, the little brother, the dinosaur kid, which I also was a dinosaur kid when I grew up, so that was a little... Another one of the things where I was like, ooh, that's, that's kind of cringe. I didn't want to think about how weirdly obsessed with dinosaurs I was as a little boy. Um... But then towards the end, it's like, you know what? The little kid, let him, let him enjoy what he wants to enjoy. Always, always be who you are. And like, <laughs> if anybody wants you to feel bad about it, fuck them. But Aaron, he's like, <laughs> when the robots are trying to like escape them after realizing that they can be controlled, <laughs> they like walk down the stairs and come out with markers drawn on their faces as a, as like a weird human disguise. And Aaron's like, you know what? I'm turning a corner. I think I like these guys now. And from, I mean, even before that, that whole scene where they're introduced, it's, <laughs> they are the comedic core of this movie. Every single line they say is like actual laugh inducing, not just nose snort, but like, physical laughter which is something i really appreciate about this team that has worked on uh, spider-man into the spider-verse and the lego movie and i think they also did something with the lego batman movie i'm not sure if those two were connected but i also enjoyed the lego batman movie all well i knew spider-man into the spider-verse was going to be good but um lego movie and lego batman movie movie uh lego batman movie were such big surprises and i enjoyed them so much more than i expected to um and it's all this team that just knows exactly when to use humor and they have my exact same sense of humor they know exactly what to say to make me specifically laugh so i don't know if everyone else is going to enjoy these movies as much as i have but 
honestly, I am this core audience that they want to make movies for, apparently, because they keep hitting it out of the park for me. I love these movies. And this one especially, like the Lego movie, it's guided towards, like, the whole message at the end is, like, oh, being away too much is bad. And Lego Batman movie is, like, oh, value the relationships that you have and be there for people. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is... Uh, anybody can be whoever they want to be so this movie specifically being geared at my experiences and being like you can succeed there are going to be problems but if you look for the people around you that care you'll always have someone to turn to and it just feels really nice because sometimes I get down in my feelings and it doesn't feel like that. I could go into my phone and text the 20 or 30 people that I know would be there at the drop of the hat but instead, I just feel bad about myself. I I don't go over to my roommate's rooms and be like, hey, do you want to go do something? I'm feeling down and I want to just get my mind off it. I just sit and I sulk. And even then, my cat will push my door open and she'll comfort me. So sometimes it really is just about looking for the people that care about you and caring about yourself and knowing what you want to be and not making any... Oh, what's the What's the word? exceptions not making any exceptions about who you want to be for anybody and <laughs> I, I don't know it's it just it's that kind of shit that I like it's like yes you can do things on your own but also things would be better if you let other people enjoy them with you and it feels good for me who boy am I glad that that sentence ended exactly where it did because as soon as I finished it, the fire alarms in my building started going off, and Elo started freaking out, and everyone was running outside, and everyone's getting their pets outside, and a fire truck showed up. I feel like I'm in Harrison Bergeron, you know, how, how the dad had the earpiece in, that every time he had a thought, it would... They're going off again. The firemen literally just told everyone it was safe to go inside. Jesus Christ, this is exactly what I was talking about. I feel like I'm in Harrison, Berger, Her, 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 Harrison Bergeron, where they <laughs> um, they keep beep. God, it's literally working. If you know what I'm talking about, this is so funny, probably, because I cannot form a coherent thought because of the annoying fucking sound. And it's in the hallway. My apartment one, like, isn't going off. I went out the first time. I'll probably stop recording again until it's over this time. Okay, it's over again. It just stopped. I feel like some douche kid is probably just pulling the fucking fire alarm over and over again because he wants to see the fireman. Because, like, literally nobody standing outside seemed scared. There was no smoke or anything. There was no reason for it to go off. Firemen didn't say that anybody had, like, a, like a, like a gas fire on the stove or some shit. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what I was talking about. I've covered the music, and I've covered part of the personal connection to it i guess a brief plot synopsis and then why i like the characters so much and then i'll probably call it a video because <laughs> there have been some weird delays to this one today a lot of weird stuff that's gotten in the way of me recording and i have something i gotta get to in a little bit so <laughs> let's just round out the big three and call it uh brief synopsis because it uh, honestly the the journey is isn't the important part like the destination uh, isn't the important part it's the, the the friends we made along the way right so beginning of the movie 
Katie is a, well, I guess the beginning of the movie is a flash forward, but we'll just tell it in chronological order. Uh, Katie is a weird artsy student, and she is perfectly comfortable being her weird artsy self. Her and her little brother Aaron are, are weird together, and they love each other, and it's all good. And the mom is also kind of weird, and she loves her daughter, and everything is good. And the daughter is going off, Katie, Katie being the daughter, she's going off to film school and she's like really glad she got accepted because she makes short films like all the time. I believe it's like the Dog Cop series and 79 other films is what she says or like 73, something, something akin to that, right? She gets accepted to film school in Los Angeles and her flight is tomorrow and her dad comes home while they're all at dinner and she made a little going away film because she was like, all right, this is like my last draw with my family. I'll, I'll make a little thing to share with them. And uh, the dad has never understood the filmmaking and he loves her, but he's worried that she won't be able to make a living doing this. Uh, he doesn't understand the whole point of it and he doesn't see any value in it. And uh, he overall just kind of doesn't like the film thing. He's a big outdoorsy man and he doesn't want his family to be on their electronics all the time. He wants face to face. He doesn't want screens getting in the way of anything. He's very anti-technology and uh, that causes him to butt heads because the rest of the family is like on their phones and their tablets and everything. So it's a little a little bit tongue in cheek, I think. It's like the oh, these kids and their phones, but like everyone uses their phones nowadays, which is why like the mom's on her phone too. But the dad is very much the stereotype of oh these kids can't do anything without they electronics, and uh, that's how that's how my out, outdoorsy dad is, even though. <laughs> He plays World of Warships or whatever on his iPad, like, all day, every day, while he works, like, his, his actual job. So, <laughs> he's a prime example of how you can multitask while being on your electronics, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't see the irony in that or, like, when it gets pointed out. But I know he won't listen to this anyway, because he also has had several talks with me about how it's dangerous to do something like this and how um, it's, it's not going to make a living and... All of that kind of thing, which makes me relate to Katie even more. Again, pretty much everything that she goes through in this film is a struggle I've had as somebody who also, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what the term is. Neurodivergent, I think, is is what it is. Uh, I think that Katie is very neurodivergent coded. <laughs> it's kind of a joke in my friend group to call every character something coded because, like, we watched Steven Universe and. Uh, all of those memes where it's like every character is something coded and it's like it's like not a joke because uh different characters are coded to be different things but we like to draw it to extremes and <laughs> it makes it weird for me to use the word coded seriously in that way to mean what it means i've kind of kind of ruined it for myself i've used it like uh sarcastically too many times for it to have its regular meaning but she is neurodivergent coded, and uh, you can tell that she thinks things through differently, and this is something I've kind of been encountering a lot too. While I'm not nearly to the scale that Abed is, Abed is played up to a cartoonish degree in the show community. Uh, I did relate to him a good, about, a good amount in the first season, like not, not with how he thinks, but uh, with the way that he filters things through film and how he relates to people using film. Katie does it more in a way that is 
similar to how I do it, where it's hard to explain emotions and what you think and to communicate clearly and properly. So I use a lot of analogies and a lot of references because I know that if I watched the moment in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse where Miles jumps off of the building and the music swells and it combines with the 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 OST and the song, the home, I believe home is what was playing during that scene or Ah, no. What's Up Danger? It's What's Up Danger. Why did I think it was home? Uh, What's Up Danger and the OST, they swell together in one scene, and it's a tragedy that that is not on Spotify. But um, that moment, and I felt those emotions, and I know because I've talked to other people that when they watched that scene, they felt the same thing. So as an example, if I want to talk about how I felt during then, or I want to say that something made me feel that way, I can talk about that. Or like I did earlier when I was talking about Yonzi, where it's this feeling of adventure that you get from the How to Train Your Dragon scenes where they're flying through the clouds and that kind of whimsical adventure music kicks in. I I know that's a Jeff Williams thing, not a Yonzi thing. I think Jeff Williams did it. Okay, now I have to look up if Jeff Williams did it because I don't want to be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. So, uh... Who made the score to how to train your dragon? It's loading. It's John Powell. I fucking knew it was John Powell. Why am I an idiot? Why did I just say the wrong thing? I mean, Yonzi, Yonzi helped, but John Powell. I'm gonna... <laughs> I don't even remember who I said the first time. Did I say John Powell? I don't even know. My, my brain is fried today. I woke up, uh, I, I started my day with caffeine because I had training for my new job, and then um, I, I got back and I started recording this, and I get halfway through an episode, and the fire alarm goes off, and Elo's freaking out, and then I start recording again, and the fire alarm goes up. I'm, I'm, I'm scrambled, forgive me for being wrong on that, but in the scene in the first How to Train Your Dragon, where Astrid and Hiccup and Toothless are flying through the clouds for the first time, and they go up through the clouds, and then it's twilight, and it's beautiful, and you feel that, like, sense of lightness, and uh, the scene in Howl's Moving Castle, where Johasaishi's score, uh, while they're walking a, a a dance through the clouds, or a dance through the sky, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head which word it is but it's a dance through the whatever and you get that feeling of like like true romance and a light-hearted kind of love there's these scenes for me that encapsulate an emotion and how it combines with the score and the the beautiful artwork and everything all work together for me as a perfect frame that i can use to relate how i feel or experience things to people so seeing this movie where Katie makes her own films as a way of showing how she feels about things and as a way of telling her story and explaining it uh, in a similar way to like how I use my writing before I get self-conscious and delete it. It makes me feel like, man, people really do all experience the same things and I have no reason to feel alone because if I look for it, there are people that have gone through the things that I have and succeeded and it hasn't It has been hard for them, and it will be hard for me, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It is that way of, like, damn, (laughs) I'm not alone, I guess. It's validating. These are the words that I use (laughs) and that I hope have meaning to the person hearing them. (laughs) So, uh, Dad breaks her laptop. She's like, this is why I want to leave. 
Uh, I've had a had a couple conversations like that. Uh, I, I won't say that my household was free of argument and strife because it wasn't by any means, even though we still love each other. Families fight and families argue, and sometimes things blow up to the point where you might even be trying to hurt each other or make them feel bad in the same way that you feel bad. And while that's not healthy, it is realistic and something that people do. So, kind of kind of hard to get around. And uh, they get in the fight, and then they both go to their rooms, and they know that they made each other feel bad, and they want to make it right, and they don't want to feel bad themselves anymore, and they don't want the person that they love to feel bad but it's hard to find ways to fix things sometimes. So the dad, they take two different things. Uh, uh, Katie, she decides, oh, I'm just going to, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to not talk to him and I'm going to leave like I planned on doing and it's not going to be a problem because I won't have to see him for a long time. And the dad, uh, he is like, hmm, how can I, how can I bond with my daughter one last time before she leaves? Like we used to when she was younger and we would sing. Ah, uh, fuck. What's this song called? Is it, is it called Live Your Life? It's the one where it's like, my, he, but like the one with like the rap from 2008 in it, not the original version of the song or, or I feel like that was sampling or referencing something in the same way the Black Eyed Peas used Time of Your Life and then just made it infinitely worse, but also made it infinitely easier to dance to in a club so i guess it's not worse it's just not the type of music i enjoy anymore so, <laughs> i don't even know what fucking tangent i'm on anymore why am i talking about the black eyed peas uh the dad takes it into his own hands he cancels her plane tickets to college packs all of her bags into his car and decides to have one last family road trip cross country to drop her off for college hijinks ensue <laughs> including but not limited to the uh robot apocalypse because a tech billionaire had no uh oversight and he had a monopoly and uh he didn't have anybody's best interest at heart and they get they get their mileage out of that joke they get their mileage out of the tech billionaire being like huh i guess maybe not caring about other people was a bad thing so <laughs> that's something we're all experiencing right what's the uh there's a petition to keep jeff bezos from re-entering earth's atmosphere after he goes on his little spacewalk and it's at like 250,000 signatures. So I feel like I'm not alone. And really uh, having that what, that sentiment, it, it appeals to me is what I'm attempting to say. I, I should really form the sentences before they're already spilling out of my mouth. That would probably make the listening experience a lot better. So uh, yeah, that's like a brief summary. And the, they, the family kind of has to overcome the robot apocalypse and overcome the struggles of having to be around the people that you love all at the same time. And as somebody that has gone on family vacations with just his parents before, hot damn do things get weird when you're in a car with them for long periods of time and people are irritable and angry and thirsty and tired and hungry and they have to go to the bathroom more often than the dad wants to stop because he only wants to stop when he gets a gas station but you don't really control when you have to pee especially if you're eating gas station food so linda and aaron in the car they are trying to get i have i just been calling her the mom the whole time i feel like i haven't said linda linda is the name of the mom and then uh rick is the dad i feel like i have just been saying the mom and the dad but they're linda and rick and Linda is usually just Lynn, so it, Lynn and Aaron are trying to push the two together so they can bond one last time and they won't go on the rest of their lives hating each other. Uh, 
and I don't think they ever would have gone on the rest of their lives hating each other because they still love each other. But the whole point is that if you love somebody, you have to accept their shortcomings and their flaws and their differences and try to find the things that you have in common and love about each other so you can continue to like each other because there is a difference between loving somebody and still liking them. <laughs> brief tangent to say that this is not always the case. I don't feel like everybody always has, that everyone needs to love their family. Some family members are abusive and toxic. Like, hmm, I have a grandpa that we cut out because he was abusive and toxic. And also he kind of cut us out because we don't go to church enough. But <laughs> So like, it was a mutual disowning and we don't talk to that side of the family anymore. So sometimes there are people that you really just shouldn't put all that effort into. But if you love somebody, you tend to know it. Also, outside of a family point of view, there are bad people that will manipulate and abuse you and continue to hold you in a toxic relationship, only ever taking and putting no effort in of their own. These people are bad and do not deserve the love that you will give them unconditionally. <laughs> I am in no way saying that everybody deserves all of your love 100% of the time, because I have experienced a lot of people are not worth it. You need to find the people that are worth it and the people that you care about and want in your life. That's what this movie is about. It's about finding your people, but also knowing who the people that have found you are. If that makes even a modicum of sense. I just paused the recording to make sure I was using the word modicum right, because I feel like I've said it before, and I've always wondered, am I using it right? So I decided to finally check, and I was. So, suck it, thesaurus. Other things about this movie I enjoy. The mom has... Uh, why do I keep calling her the mom? Linda has a whole storyline where she's following the neighbors on Instagram, and everything they post on Instagram makes them look perfect all of the time, and they seem to be the perfect cohesive family unit that always supports and loves each other unconditionally, and they all have the same interests, and they don't have any personalities separate from being part of that family. And that's also valid and okay if you are that close with your family. But just because that's what it looks like on Instagram doesn't mean that what you have is worse or in any way less valuable because <laughs> families are always going to be different. Every relationship you're going to form throughout your life is going to be completely different from every other one in minute ways that you're not going to fully realize until you start to think about it. And comparing yourself to others, especially on social media where it's only being able to compare them to their brightest, happiest moments, is never a good thing. Social media is a disease. I only use it because it's also a good way to promote. And I need to promote. Because while I don't want to promote and I want to spread naturally through word of mouth, I don't have enough people right now to do that. Also, social media is good if I need to, like, make an announcement, like, on one of those days where I'm just really not feeling it or a technological thing comes up or the fire alarm doesn't turn off. So I, I literally can't upload a thing. So <laughs> I guess social media has its value. I think everything has its value. But also, a lot of things have a lot of stupid traits to them, like <laughs> just only existing to make you feel bad and feel like you need to buy things to be a better person. Like uh, Instagram. Instagram, the cesspool of the internet. I hate it. I hate Instagram. I use Instagram because you guys like seeing pictures of my cats, but I literally don't look at anything on there. It's like 50% ads. How do people go on Instagram?
Other stories, Eric and Debrabot 5000, they have a storyline where they get to choose their own fate and when they thought that they had no uh, ambition or control over their life. So that's pretty cool. That's a good little storyline. It's kind of tucked away at the back. I dislike the romantic storyline between Aaron and uh, the Posey daughter, the dinosaur-loving daughter of the Mitchells' neighbors. The Posies, that's the that's the family that Linda Linda admires so and is so jealous of. Um, they both like dinosaurs because they're both dinosaur kids, and Aaron acts very strange about it because uh, he is coded to be neurodivergent, and he doesn't have the social skills to handle that situation. And while it works out in the end, it's very awkward and kind of uncomfortable to sit through in in the beginning of the film for me especially because as a dinosaur kid i know once my family finally does watch this movie i'm gonna get a lot of shit for the dinosaur kid in this movie acting in such a way but also it is kind of cute that he has like such strong emotions but doesn't know how to feel about it so like i don't know kids are kids and they're figuring things out too so it makes sense that they wouldn't understand it, it the whole thing is about like just being who you are and and the people that love you are going to support that. So it's it's not something that I dislike. I just don't like watching kids in relationships, and I know I'm going to get shit for this one from my family. So also important, Katie is a lesbian. She's wearing a pride pin the entirety of the movie. I literally didn't notice it the first time that I was watching, and then at the end scene where the mom asks if her and her roommate at college are official and if she'll be coming over to Thanksgiving in a very supportive and loving manner, uh, I thought, oh, okay. And then on my second rewatch, I realized she's been wearing the pride pin the entire movie, and I just didn't notice. <laughs> So I kind of felt like an idiot for that, but also I really appreciated that uh, while she is a person and she is a lesbian, that wasn't her entire character. She wasn't just a token. She had a personality outside of it. In fact, it wasn't important to the majority of the main story, and I didn't even realize it until the very end. But then you watch through it again with that knowledge, or if uh, you saw the pride pin from the very first scene she's in, like I'm sure several people did, you get to go on this journey with her already knowing all of that, and then that's even more representation for people that don't get great representation in media without being beaten over the head over it for the sake of marketing. So, big fan of that. Love how that was handled. I think this is the first thing from Mike Rianda and um, Jeff Rowe that I've seen. I think this is the first thing that they've directed that I've seen. But I know Lord and Miller and Alex Hirsch, who was also involved in this, so uh, <laughs> I haven't watched Gravity Falls, and I feel like that's been a mistake, because with how big of a hit this was for me, and how it literally touched every single good part of my brain that it could have, I feel like I really should have watched Gravity Falls before now, so you can probably look forward to that on this series. I feel like, for me, 2021 has been one of the best years for media, solely because of Infinity Train and this. Like, just two things that reach out to me perfectly, and like, mmm, mmm, they hit the spot just right. And I could rewatch this endlessly with uh, Infinity Train, so... God, I'm I'm just I'm I'm so blessed to live in a time when we have good representation of different mindsets and everything in media and we can we can enjoy them and and they're they're artfully done and people care about them and their their effort and their love goes into them. It's just mm, it's it's so good. It is makes me so happy. 
like this last year time frame, not just like during 21, but the latter half of uh, 2020 as well, I have found so much stuff that is just perfect for me in every different way I could imagine, and then some, like Saga and Sandman and and Watchmen and Invincible and Infinity Train and the Mitchells versus the Machines and Infinity Train, and it's perfect, and I love it, and I'm really excited to talk about Infinity Train Book 2, Cracked Reflections, next Friday. Not next Friday, I mean, I guess I shouldn't have said next. I should have just said Friday, because it's this coming Friday in this week, like four days from now, not including today, <laughs> where I will be talking about Infinity Train Book 2. Wow, that was a run-on sentence, and... <laughs> Oh, I crack myself up sometimes. Oh, I don't even know what I was trying to say there. I said and at the end of that sentence, like I had more for it. I don't know. Sometimes I get info dumpy when it's about things that I like. Like I just have so many things I like and I want to list them off. And to me, those are some of the more fun episodes to record because I get to reflect on all of my favorite parts of the thing and any missteps or like sidesteps kind of get swept under the rug. But for this and Infinity Train, I really haven't felt like there were any missteps or sidesteps. There's so many great things that I didn't even touch on. I didn't say a single thing about the mall scene. And for anybody that's already seen the movie, you understand that the mall scene is just insane in ways that you cannot predict or expect. So there's just so much more to this movie than what I even touched on. And it's heartfelt and enjoyable and loving. And so is Infinity Train. And I'm excited to keep talking about Infinity Train. And since that one's going to be running for four weeks, you're probably going to hear a lot about it in the episodes that aren't actually about Infinity Train. But again, Infinity Train is my favorite thing right now. But as far as movies go, Mitchell's versus the Machines is the best movie I've seen in 2021. I... <laughs> I suppose the only other thing I've seen that came out this year specifically was A Quiet Place Part 2, which was an enjoyable movie and a good sequel, but it was nowhere near the polished, perfect product that this movie is, especially for anybody that has anything in common with me. So, if you haven't listened to it yet, I hope this was enough to convince you to watch The Mitchells vs. The Machines because it's good. Join us ne next episode, which will be this Friday, not next Friday where we'll talk about Cracked Reflections, the second book of Infinity Train. I have been in that loop for three minutes now, I think, and I am glad to finally be out of it, so Goldman can play us out. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening. Bye.